Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. This morning, I have a message entitled for the church, God at the Door. God at the door. We're going to be reading one verse this morning. Revelations 3, verse 20. How many know that one verse can change a whole life? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to give you a moment to find that. We all know, we should know, Revelations is the last book of the Bible. This shouldn't be too difficult. Hallelujah. Go right to the end. Go to chapter number 3. We're going to read verse 20. Amen. And for those that wish, let us stand for the reading of God's word. It's only one verse, and then you can take your seats and be comfortable all over again until the word starts to pierce your heart. Hallelujah. And mine. Glory to God. Are we there? If you have it, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And the word of the Lord says, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let us take our seats this morning. This morning's scripture is pretty much a very familiar passage of scripture. We've all heard this. Many of us have heard this scripture in our Sunday school classes. And we've heard all types of sermons on this particular verse of scripture. But here we have God. God himself standing at the door and knocking and patiently waiting for an answer. Can you imagine that? God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Alpha and Omega, standing at a door and waiting for someone to answer the door. Can you imagine that? What a concept. The God of heavens and earth standing at the door and knocking patiently, waiting for someone to let him in. This morning we have a very famous picture. Many of you know this picture. You've seen it. It's a very, very famous portrait of Christ knocking on the door with this very scripture in mind. The artist who painted this picture, which is literally going to illustrate our entire message today. There's so many clues in there, and I'm going to be talking about them. But his name was Warner Salmon. The the picture you're seeing, it's called Christ at Heart's Door. It was done in 1942. I want to give you a little bit of historical background on this artist. He also painted a very famous portrait called the Head of Christ. And that painting was done around the time of World War II. Literally, the USO and the Salvation Army adopted that picture. And they started to print little pocket-sized paintings of, of the Head of Christ. And they sent it out to all the troops. And at the end of World War II, that particular painting happened to be one of the most 
uh, uh, famous religious uh, works of art on the entire earth. But I want to refer uh, today to this particular painting, Christ at Heart's Door. And I'm going to be talking about this and breaking it down in such a way where I believe the picture is really going to come to life for you. Hallelujah. So let's start by setting up the foundation. Revelations, we know that the Apostle John was exiled on the island of Patmos. And it was there that God gave him a vision. Many people have not read Revelations. They think Revelations is too deep. It's too mysterious. It's too symbolic. But right there on the very first page, it says, Blessed is the one who reads the pages of this prophecy. That means God is going to add a little extra oomph on you. Hallelujah. He's going to give you a little extra of himself. Praise God. Because how many know that God does not want us to be ignorant of his word? Think about this. If the Lord wrote uh, 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 some kind of mysterious passage and we never understood it, what would be the purpose? Right? So he wants to make it known. I've always told people, when you read the book of Revelations and you start getting a little perplexed, a little confused, you know what the answer is? Keep reading. Hallelujah. Because the answer comes right there. When you say, oh, he's holding the seven stars in his hand. What is that all about? And if you continue reading, Jesus says, those seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches of Asia. And I hold them, the pastors, in the palm of my right hand. If we continue to read, we get the understanding. And he's going to break it down to you. Praise the Lord. God, we have to understand that when we read his word, we need to come to it in the spirit that wrote it. Hallelujah. So you don't read the word like it's some uh, uh, Stephen King novel or something. You read the word in the spirit of God. So before getting into study, I encourage you to pray. God, open up my heart. Open up my mind. Oh, God, make your word pop off the pages. Oh, Lord, highlight them in my spirit, Lord God, that I may have it implanted in my heart. John here has a vision, and the very beginning of this vision starts with the seven churches of Asia, the condition of the churches of the ages. Seven brief little memos from chapter one to chapter three, and God is really talking about the condition of the church. And how many know that Jesus is the one sharing the vision to John? Amen. And, and over here, Jesus is the good doctor. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's a good doctor. Hallelujah. He diagnoses the health of every condition. Praise God. And here he describes and prescribes a remedy for every single church throughout the ages. But I want to draw your attention to one church, the final church, the seventh church in the seventh age of the church. That church is a church of Laodicea. The church that was considering itself to be wealthy and prosperous. And the reality is materially, they were wealthy. They were prosperous. They thought they had everything. But spiritually, they were bankrupt. Morally, spiritually bankrupt. Let me just make it plainly obvious for us all today. In our time, in our time and in our day, never before, I believe in all of our history, at least in my lifetime, have we ever seen mega churches. Mega churches is a thing of our current day. 
We have so many churches that are so huge. They have pastors that are literally driving expensive importing imported sports cars, living in million-dollar homes, owning jet airplanes and helicopters, and in some cases, having airports right on their own property. I'm telling the truth. We have numerous mega churches, thousands and thousands and thousands of members, and they have malls and Starbucks and, 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 and uh, Roy Rogers and all kinds of stuff in their lobby. They have bookstores and, and all petting zoos and you name it. Some places even have uh, amusement parks and rides. They have ice cream machines and, and soda fountains. Churches so large that if you happen to be in, in Walmart or, or Price Chopper and you were on the checkout line with 20 people, all 20 of them could be in the same church and not even know each other. We have churches that are so large right now, their finances are so deep that they have their own television stations, their own TV networks. We have pastors who have linked up with the world and now produce their own Hollywood films. They've linked up with secular artists and have them performing with their choirs on albums and selling them off the charts. All to build up the name of their ministry. You know something wrong. Something's wrong when Snoop Dogg does a gospel album. Something's wrong. What's more wrong is when Christians support the album. Turn to your neighbor and say, Woo, I hope he ain't talking about you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Here's the reality. These churches, because of their size, because of their deep pockets, they're the ones that seem to be making the rules. If you sing one of their songs, you've got to pay royalties. Otherwise, you can't sing it in your church. You have to have a license to sing their songs, and they will come after you. They make the rules because everyone says, well, they're so big, they must be doing something right. But the very person at the door may be involved in a sexually explicit relationship and not even know that they're heading to hell. Half of the people in there may have had fights with their wives and drug abuse and all kinds of wickedness and not even know that they're headed to hell. Because at the end of every message, they feel so good inside. Oh, I got jelly beans. I got a gummy bears. Gummy bear message. Mmm, delicious. Some messages with whipped cream and sprinkles on top. Pastor, he's so funny. Ha, ha, ha. He preached such a good message today. Oh, I felt good all over. And no sooner you get into the parking lot, you're pumping in crazy radio stuff and CDs with explicit lyrics. You don't even look at what your kids are watching or what your kids are listening to. You have no idea what's going on. And you're just in the heads and the clouds. There's a song that came out, I think, in the, in the, I don't know, 80s. I'm an 80s kid. Praise God. All right. It was called Da, Da, Da. 
da, da, da. You know the song, right? It's some, some Austria, uh, German group. Da, da, da. Do, 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 do. It's a dump, the most ridiculous song ever made. And I say to myself, that's the state of the mind of our society. Where our heads are so lost. Da, da, da. Do, 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 do. Whatever they tell me. Da, da, da. I believe every lie. Da, da, da. I'll do whatever you tell me. Da, da, da. Boop, 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 boop. Da, da, da. It's ri- ridiculous. We have pastors that are homosexuals. We have pastors that are addicted to pharmacia, to drugs. We have pastors that are, that are doing really harmful things to their own children in their homes. We have divorce rates higher than most of any other uh, group. The church has a higher divorce rate. We have people still lying and stealing and cheating on their taxes. Because nobody could see it, only Uncle Sam, and he doesn't really count. Anything seems to go so long as the dollars and the chairs are full. The Bible says they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. You will never hear in these big mega churches any sermon about the book of revelations or prophecy. You will never hear about sin or holiness or sanctification. They would very rarely, if at all, talk about the blood of Christ that washes away sin. You will never hear a word about the rapture. You won't hear about the second coming of Christ. Here, Dr. Jesus was offering a solution to the church that had everything except what mattered most. Jesus. And I want you to hear this. After he began to speak to the church in Laodicea, what was the next word out of his mouth? Behold. I looked at that word in the Greek. The word behold, it means edu. I do. Like a wedding a proposal, right? I do. When you commit, it do. I-D-O-O. And when he said this word, behold, he was now turning his attention to the individual. Now it's no longer the church of Laodicea, the, the lukewarm church that he's going to vomit out of his mouth. Now he's turning his attention to the individual, singular, personal, the church. He's turning his attention to you. And Christ at heart's door is what we're seeing now. And this painting is going to address some really important factors for us to consider. So as you start to look at the picture, I want you to really pay attention to all the details. It's striking to me all the stuff that is in that little picture. So number one, let's talk about who is the one knocking on the door? Who is the visitor? We absolutely know, according to this picture, who this visitor is. But let me just say this, and this is true. When you recognize someone at your door, you're more apt to open up the door and let them in. But when a stranger comes to your door, especially in the middle of the night, and he knocks on the door, the first thing you go, who's that? 
Who could possibly be knocking on the door at this hour? Let me stop tripping. Come on, you know it's the truth. If somebody comes to your house at one in the morning and go ding dong at one in the morning, right away panic. Something happened. My kids, something went wrong. What's going on? Who's at my door? Oh God, you're panicked before you even come to the door. Who is knocking? A stranger in the night. This stranger, we know who this stranger is. This artist portrayed Jesus just exactly as he has imagined Jesus in his mind. But let me break the myth and shatter the myth a little bit. Hallelujah. I'm about to pop some bubbles in the room. Don't hate the messenger. Praise God. But the real Jesus Christ in scripture was a man of color. He's a man of color. The Bible says he had olive-colored skin, and he had hair like wool. Revelations gives it an even more wonderful description. He had eyes like fire, and on his head were many crowns. Hallelujah. Let me be brutally honest with you. I don't care if Jesus was yellow, red, white, black. Hallelujah. I don't care if he had stripes, if he had polka dots. Hallelujah. If he died for me and and, and, and gave me his blood to cover over my sin, then I'm with him. Hallelujah. All I care about is if my name is written in the book of life. All I care about is that I'm covered in his own precious red blood. Hallelujah. That beaded through his heart when he was on the cross taking my payment for my sin and my wickedness upon himself. That's all I care about. We are so, uh, 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 really, I, I don't even want to use a word to offend half of the people in the room, but we, we are so off the mark when we base everything on race. What are you going to do when, you're, when your Lord in heaven says, Bienvenido, uh, uh, bienvenido, entra la gloria del de se, Señor. What are you going to do when he speaks Spanish? I've been cheated. I've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, run amok. Like, get over it. The Bible says every nation, every tribe, every tongue, this here is a representation of heaven. All of us coming together. I think it's the most beautiful thing, the, the diversity of color in the room. I love it. I love it. Praise God. Here we have Jesus. In human form, coming to the door as a human, it's powerful. Listen, of all the miracles that have ever taken place in the Word of God, I believe, and many theologians believe the same, there are none more remarkable than the incarnation of Jesus Christ. More than healings, more than walking on water, more than feeding the 5,000, even, in many cases, the resurrection of the dead. One of the greatest miracles is the incarnation of Christ. The word of God became flesh and walked among us. Hallelujah. You know why he did this? Because he had known that your name was written in the Lamb's book of life even before he said, let there be light. And he knew that Adam and Eve would fall. He knew that they would disobey. And so right from the beginning, Jesus was prepared to rescue the sinner. Hallelujah. You were predestined 
He did it for you. He did it for me. Jesus was not just any man, but he was God in the flesh, the light of the world. He was the door. The door was knocking on the door. Figure that out. It's mind-blowing. The gate, the door, the, 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 the conqueror, he's knocking at the door. Hallelujah. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You've got to understand how powerful this is. Hallelujah. At the sound of Jesus' name, demons tremble. Hallelujah. At the sound of his name, darkness hides. At the sound of the name of God, the earth quakes. Hallelujah. The seas roar. The mountains tremble. Every knee bows and every tongue confesses. Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. He took the keys from sin and death. And guess what he did with the keys? He said, here, I've got the keys. Now I give them unto you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. These are the keys to the kingdom. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. This is the one who is standing at the door. What is the significance of this door? This is not just any door, but this is a door that opens up into something else. This is more than just a house door. This door is the door to a life. A door to a soul. A door to a person. A, a person's heart. How many know that your heart controls your values? Your heart controls your choices. Your heart controls your affections, your commitments, your loyalties. Your heart controls relationships. Who and what is on the other side of that door? Who's inside the door? This painting gives us some clues. As I give you these clues, I want you to look at this painting. Number one, it's nighttime. This visitor is coming at night, but there are no lights on the outside of the house. He is the light. Hallelujah. Darkness fills the inside of this house. There are thorns and thistles that have grown on the walkway. That means that the cares of the world has overtaken this house. I want you to look really closely. There's a bird's nest at the top of the door. How many know that birds don't build nests where there's a lot of activity? There must not be many visitors at this house. This house is a place of loneliness, a place of desolation, of despair, a place that has no warmth, no love, overgrowth. This is a sad place, a dark, empty, loveless place. And God still came to this house. Hallelujah. He comes. Hallelujah. No amount of sin can prevent Christ from coming to your door. 
There's no amount of personal problems or rejections that can prevent Christ from coming to your door. No amount of despair or disease can prevent the Lord. Please notice that when he's about to knock, he, he leans into the door. And he knocks. And he knocks. And he knocks. And then he listens. Are they hearing me right now? Are you listening? He's knocking. Are you listening? I'm at your door. Are you listening to me? And he calls out and he says, open the door and let me in. I will come in and dine with you. And you with me, I shall come in and, and fellowship with you. Open the door. This is the beauty. He's asking to come in. But you know what? It's not to scold you. He's not coming in to give you a lecture and to tell you how bad you are. He doesn't have the divine rod, the, 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 the leather heavenly belt to beat you behind. He doesn't come with a switch. You see, many people think that's what God is for, to just beat us up when we do wrong. But God is full of love, rich in mercy. He says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He says, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. My yoke is light. He wants to come in to dine with you, to break bread. He wants to come and sit at your table. Did you know that breaking bread is a symbol of friendship and a symbol of peace? I come not as a, as, a, as a threat. I come in peace. I want you to take a look at this picture. Notice that there's no door. The, the latch, there's no latch on the door. You see, there's no handle. That means that the only way this door could be open is from the inside. Do you see that? God is a gentleman. He's never going to force himself on anybody. Will you let him in? Do you hear his knocking this morning? Are you prepared to open the door of your heart? Remember, when he comes in, he's bringing all the noise. He's bringing everything. Hallelujah. Can you handle it? Where is Jesus standing? He's standing at your heart's door. A humble place. A place where it's difficult to get people to even knock on. Today, think about evangelism and visitations, and, and especially now with COVID uh, of fears and panic and dread out there. People won't even take a track anymore. You give them a track, it's got cooties. I've seen some funny memes where, where this guy, a nail salon guy, you know, he's doing this lady's nails, and she goes, <coughs> and he's like, before the cough even gets him, he's like, like, quick draw McGraw. He has a bottle of sanitizer. He sprays the lady all over. Nowadays, 
It's very difficult to get people to go out into the street. Door to door and, and street evangelism is one of the most feared things in the body of Christ. Statistically, only 2% of the body of Christ is actually engaged in evangelism. We're doing something different here. Hallelujah. This vision, this house, we're about talking to people about Christ. And we're training our people up to go out and, and, and share the gospel. How strange that Jesus, the Lord of lords and kings of kings, is standing at your heart's door and knocking. Let me give you a little illustration. There's a, a guy, a pastor, his name is Bob. Pastor Bob drives up to this happy rest nursing home to visit Matilda, an elderly member of his church in the latter years of her life. He says to her, hi, Matilda, it's good to see you. Can I sit with you for a while? As they begin chatting, the pastor notices a bowl full of peanuts on a nearby nightstand. As Matilda continues to share a story he's already heard several times before, he reaches for the bowl of peanuts and begins to take them. As the conversation continues, he also continues to eat more and more peanuts. Near the end of their time together, he realizes he has eaten every single peanut in the bowl. At the end of their visit, before he leaves, he says, Matilda, I must apologize to you. It seems that I have eaten every one of your peanuts. Oh, that's okay, Pastor Bob. They would have just sat there anyway. Without my teeth anymore, all I can do is lick and suck the chocolate off of them and put the peanuts back in the bowl. Moral of the story, don't eat peanuts in a nursing home. Hallelujah. That's a free tip. You got that one for free. Hallelujah. But it is important to go and visit the sick, visit the elderly. Hallelujah. Come on back. Come on back with me. Come on back. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How does Jesus knock? This may seem like a silly question, but it isn't. He obviously knocks with his hand. The very hand of God that pushes our problems out of the way. The very hand of God that moves circumstances that seem to be out of your control. The very hand that holds the entire world, the galaxies, in the span of his hands. The hand that sets the stage for every prophetic fulfillment in scripture. The hand that moves the nations and even nature itself according to his plan, his order. The hand that holds back the gates of hell from prevailing against the church. The very hands that were pierced for our sins and our iniquities. The very hands that have fearfully and wonderfully made every one of us. The hands that holds the seven stars, the seven angels of God in the palm of those beautiful hands. Those are the hands that he's using to knock on your door. And then he says, if any man hears my voice, what he's saying is, are you listening? God speaks to us through his word. 
God speaks to us through his servants. God speaks to us through ministers of the gospel, through pastors and teachers and leaders. God speaks to us through the lives of Christians. God speaks to us even through small children. God speaks to us through his creation. He calls us in love and he calls out to us with a sense of urgency. We think that this painting is really addressing unbelievers. But I warn you this morning, it is not. Remember that Christ Jesus was talking to the Laodicean church. The lukewarm believers. The Christians who have become cold and distant who have lost their love. Many have lost their way. They are neither hot nor cold. He was speaking to those that are hiding in their house of terrors. Hiding inside the house of shame. Hiding inside the house of fear and dread of the COVID-19 monster. The boogeyman. Those that are believing the lies of the deceptions of the enemy. Those who have become easily offended. Those who have taken and eaten the bait of Satan, which is offense. Those who now live in fear and in dread without hope or even an assurance of salvation. Let me tell you, you need to know that you are saved. You need to know that you know that you know that you are in Christ and that he is in you. For if you abide in him and he in you, he will not forget himself. If you don't know the condition of your soul today, I'm telling you now, by the spirit of God, you are in great danger. If you are waffling with your life and you are pretending that everything is all peachy creamy, but on the inside, you know that you are headed to hell with roller skates. You are in danger. I'm telling you the truth. Jesus is at the door of your heart. What will happen if the door is opened? It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's powerful. He says, I will come inside of you. I will come into your house. I will come in and clean up the mess. I will come in and put everything back in order. He says, I will come in. I will dine with you. Hallelujah. You will have a dinner date with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King of Glory, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus said he's coming like a thief in the night. Are you listening? We had a movie here this past Wednesday, Before the Wrath. For those that were able to see it, I know you enjoyed it. For those that did it, you need to go pick it up. It was a powerful film about the parallels of the Galilean wedding feast and how it relates to the rapture of the church. They go hand in hand. Jesus 
has to come back. Hallelujah. It's not if he's coming back or when he's coming back. It's he has to come back. Hallelujah. To fulfill the promise of God. He's coming back and soon and very soon. I can't tell you enough. You've got to see this film. Put it on your coffee table. Bring it out every time you have a guest over your house and put it on. Hallelujah. It's definitely going to spark a conversation. But the whole point of this film is to really make a very important fact known to us. Are you rapture ready? Is there oil in your lamp? Is your wick trim? For he is coming in the midnight hour. He is coming in a time where you're not expecting. Are you ready? Do you have your wedding gown on? Hallelujah. Are you clothed in fine white linen and clothed in righteousness? Are you covered in the blood of Jesus? Is your ear attentive to the sound of the trumpet? There's a pastor that went out one Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, excuse me, to visit one of his church members that hasn't been to church in a while. He's emailed them, texted them, phone called them. No return, no, no replies. He said, I'm going to have to go to this person's house. And when he gets to this house, it was obvious that someone was home. But nobody came to the door, even though the preacher knocked several times. Finally, the preacher took out a card and he wrote Revelations 3.20 on the back of the card. And stuck it on the door. And it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. The following Sunday morning, this very card turned up in the collection plate at church. And below the, preacher, the preacher's message was written the following notation. I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Hallelujah. Genesis 3.10. Sometimes a door isn't going to be opened. But what I like is that the Lord didn't stand and beg, please, please, don't you hear? Don't you know who's at the door? Sometimes he has to walk away. And sometimes, let me tell you, remember the rich young ruler. And Jesus, and Jesus had to kind of put him in his place. Because he says, oh yeah, I've kept the Ten Commandments from the time I was born. I've obeyed all the laws. He says, okay, there's still one more thing you need to do. Sell everything you have and give it away to the poor. And then come, pick up your cross and follow me. And what does the word say? This rich young ruler walked away sorrowful. Everything, everything my mom and dad worked for, everything... Grandpa, grandma worked for everything that they have wasted or, or, or spent their whole life getting so that I could have a great education, all these nice clothes, everything. Yeah, everything. How many know if you gain the whole earth, but you forfeit your soul? You got nothing. Michael Jackson had five warehouse buildings full of stuff he couldn't take any of it with him <laughs> praise god 
Hallelujah. What will he find if the door is opened? What will the Lord find? Will you be able to receive Jesus with outstretched arms? Will you be able to prepare a meal for him with your best and finest ingredients? Will Jesus be able to spend time in your guest room, nice and clean, ready with fitted sheets? Or will Jesus find your house in disarray, cluttered, hoarded with junk, no food in your refrigerator or in your cupboard, nothing to offer the royal guest? Will your home be clean and, or will it be dirty? Will it smell like a rose or will it smell like cooked garbage that's been sitting in the sun? Will you have to hide magazines from your coffee table? Well, you need to change the channel on your TV. Well, you need to hide the liquor in your liquor cabinets. Will you be elated or embarrassed? I thank the Lord that even though we have all these little issues, praise God, Jesus isn't so much concerned with what is on the inside of the house, but only with who is inside of the house. There's a sure promise of God to everyone that hears the voice of the Lord and opens the door. Our part is to simply open the door. His part is to come inside of the door. How does Jesus come inside? He comes inside by his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures to write down. As soon as this clicks, hallelujah, there we go. Praise God. Ephesians 1, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, that's you and me, to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. Romans 5, 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured in our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Lastly, 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 4. Now grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let me go before you, before I close, let me talk briefly again about the Laodicean church. This was the seventh of the church ages, the seventh church. This is the church that has lost its identity. They were looking in a, in a wealth and materialistic identity and they were looking for it being self-sufficient and because of their turning away, their love for others, their love for the lost has waxed cold. They have ignored the knocking on the door from the Lord of hosts. The church has little to offer. 
regarding spiritual encouragement, this particular church, refreshment or growth because it has lost its focus on Jesus Christ. It has gone the way of Hollywood, of TV stars and celebrities. It has focused itself on acquiring wealth and numbers and prestige, but it has lost its focus and dependence on God. This morning we started with Revelations 3.20. The verse right before, verse 19, says, that Jesus is talking to the church, he says, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent was the charge just before he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. God is calling the church today, this morning, right now, to awaken, the theme from yesterday, to arise, hallelujah, to return to faithfulness, to return to perseverance. There is not much time left. Return to me, says the Lord. Open the door of your heart. The lukewarm church has pushed Jesus outside the door. And now Jesus is standing again back to the church and says, Hey, return to me. You have lost your way. Here I am. Open the door and let me in. Because if you don't, he will have to spew you out of his mouth. In conclusion, do you feel him knocking on the door? of your heart right now? Do you feel the pounding in your heart? Do you hear his voice? The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. I am known by my sheep and they know me. Will you open the door of your heart? Jesus says, anyone who calls on him shall be saved. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. Hallelujah. We are so Thank grateful you, to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133 We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.